And so I appreciate that she recognizes, like, in the same way that we look back at 10 years of the podcast and go, listen, they've all, they've all not been home runs. Like, we know that. Like, we had to learn and figure out our rhythm and all the things. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just been 10 years of full smoke. Great. Just, I, that's just my perception. That's why you took 150 no episodes off the, uh, <laughs> off the archive. Hello and welcome to episode number 514 of the podcast. I'm your host, Knox McCoy. And I'm your other host, Jamie Golden. The podcast is a show dedicated to delightful idiocy, and we're committed to educating you on things entertaining but do not matter. To find out more about these chivalric pursuits, check us out at knoxandjamie.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and threads at the podcast, and we're on Twitter at podcast. Pod. Still threads? I feel like, man, I feel like no. it turned on threads. Listen, right? it was we're like, there. Cool, now not. To be honest, we're there, but we're not active because. Uh, Is anyone they, active? I haven't been back. The marketers, they're always there. They're always like, hey guys, here are seven ways to get more engagement. <laughs> and it's like, I, I see your follower count of all those followers you bought. Yeah, well, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Strange know. how that works. Uh, thanks for joining us this week as we are going to be deep diving a night's tale. But before you do that, guys, I know this is the part of the episode that you skip forward because this is your chance to n- like not listen to a part of it. But listen, no, I want you to listen because this is your chance to get something for zero dollars. Now, we have a membership community on Patreon with 11,000 folks in it. And you can now, brand new information, get a free seven-day trial of being a best friend of the show, a B5. So how do you do it? Just head over to knoxandjamie.com slash free trial or click the link in Indy's fantastic show notes. Now, this will take you to Patreon where instead of join now... You will see a button that says start free trial. Enter your info, you won't be charged, and you'll gain access to all the BFOTS benefits offered, including previous posts. So what does that get you? You can send them aside pieces on Gone Girl, Still Magnolias, Twister, 21 Jump Street, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, While You Were Sleeping. You'll get access to our last 12 monthly live stream AUAs. In our July AUA, Knox had a secret that someone in the chat revealed, and you see Aaron and my reaction in real time. Do you still want, you want to talk about that secret? Um, no, 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 people are skipping this, so it doesn't okay. even matter. That's you know? fine. Okay. And then, plus, we do special episode series, including What Should I Watch Next and Pilot Program, where just this week we take a look back at the pilot of the juggernaut that was Desperate Housewives, a show whose first episode had three million more views than the last episode of Game of Thrones. So, start your free trial today to see what the fuss is all about about being a BFOTS. Head to noxandjamie.com slash free trial. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Jamie. We are here. We're gathered here today to talk about A Knight's Tale, a movie that I think I, I knew in advance I had not seen before. And I, you revealed right before we started recording that you had also not seen before. Is I that thought true? I had, but then I realized, no, I've just seen clips. I've never seen, because most of the movie I was like, I have no, I did not know that I would see so much Paul Bettany uh, bottom. And I, That's right. did, I had no idea. So I have never seen, but I also realized, I went back and was like, why did I not see this? It was May of 2001, and that might have been the least amount of income I ever had on a W-4 uh, uh-huh. which or W-2, which is uh, $11,000 is how much I made that year. 
And so, so there was no money a lot for of movies. Extra cash to, no, to there go was see. no money. I could only go see the movies at the two dollar theater, and that was like six months after they came out. Yeah. And so I don't know that I ever made it. I, I don't know if a night's tale ever made it to the two dollar theater. Man, shouts to those like two dollar theaters, like one dollar theaters, you know, where yes. it's like, look, it's sketchy in here. It's oh. full prison rules, but you're paying <laughs> two dollars right. to see a movie, and those this, just don't exist anymore. This you know? seat has never been cleaned. This floor yeah. has its entire history on it still. Yes, you will need like the outbreak suits to wear into yes. here so you don't die, but you're seeing a movie for a reasonable amount of money. That's and right. Just, that's right. I miss them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, this just, uh, I was graduating high school and uh, I, I guess I just missed this, but this also probably wasn't like in my sweet spot. Um, and I just never caught up on it. I don't know what I thought this was, but I didn't have like a big Heath Ledger era and uh, jousting like never, I don't know, just didn't pop off for me personally, you know? So right. just complete blind spot. And you know, we, we were, um, we were planning the calendar of episodes. Christiana revealed that this was her favorite movie of all time. So it felt kind of preordained that, well, we have to talk about this movie now. That's exactly right. So the interesting thing is she, we, in episode 508 in June, we did, we talked about jousting randomly and neither of us could think of what the thing is called. And that's what happened. We had a ton of listeners reach out at me like, it's called a lines. Hello. And they kept sending us that gif. And, and we, and so Indy was like, I think a lot of people want have seen A Knight's Tale, and Christiana loves it. Why shouldn't we do a cinema side piece on it? Sure, so, sure. It worked it out makes, perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, like Jamie alluded to, this uh, this will follow our cinema side piece format that we do for our patrons. Uh, it's one of my favorite things we do where we just take a movie, uh, either current or an older movie, like uh, as is the case today, and we run down some general conversation and we do some superlatives uh, in it that can take us different places. Um, so as we do that, Jamie, do you want to kind of set the uh, context line here and talk about some info, some of the people involved uh, in this movie? That's right. So this is A Knight's Tale. It came out in 2001 in May. It is a medieval adventure comedy film written, co-produced, and directed by Brian Helglin. Now, this film stars Heath Ledger as William Thatcher, who is a peasant squire who poses as a knight and competes in tournaments, winning accolades and acquiring friendships with such historical figures as Edward the Black Prince and Geoffrey Chaucer. It's it's weird to be set in the 1300s, but I, I, I get it. So this movie, A Knight's Tale, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 20 points lower than the audience score. Okay. Critic score is 20 points lower. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 54 and 74. <gasps> 59 and 79. Okay. Yeah, Very that feels close. about right. That feels about so right. The critics' consensus was once you get past the anachronism, a tonight's tale becomes a predictable, if spirited, rocky on horseback. Do you think mm, that's fair? I don't think no, that's fair. I don't. But, but I understand it. I understand. I do. It. I do. So this movie had a $65 million budget, which is a pretty large budget for a movie that made 22 years ago. And it made $117 million, which at the time in 2001 would have been considered a failure. You always want it for a success. You had to make back twice. You had to make back the money it cost plus make twice as much. It opened uh, number two. It didn't even open number one because it was opening against The Mummy Returns. <gasps> Oh, Erin gasped. Like, she was so excited. Um, but I will say, A Night's Tale stayed in the top 10 for five weeks. It was not, I know you might be surprised, it was not nominated for any Oscars, but it was nominated for three awards at the 2002 MTV Movie Awards. That's right. Uh, I saw that. Shannon Sossaman was nominated for Breakthrough Female por- Performance. Uh, thankfully and rightfully, she lost to Mandy Moore in A Walk to Remember. 
I'm sorry. Did you say she lost to Mandy Moore, who who should have won? Because in my notes, I, I scored it. Britney Spears at Crossroads should have won that breakthrough female How performance. How dare Jamie. you? That's breakthrough performance? You've also no. got Anne Hathaway on that docket, and I feel like that's a good. Oh, that a good is case a breakthrough. Well. That is a breakthrough performance. So, and I I thought this year was interesting because obviously you have Heath Ledger in the lead. He is only 21 years old in this movie, which right. is. Stunning. You have Shannon Sossaman playing um, what I would argue is a cinema side piece, the quintessential cinema side piece. And then we get Rufus Sewell, we get Mark Addy, we get Alan Tudyk, and we get Paul Bettany as Jeffrey Chaucer. And I got to be honest with you, when Jeff Chaucer shows up, mind blown. I I didn't know that. I didn't know Paul Bettany was in this. So I'm just like, what is a nude man? uh, What is is nude? What's his name in the Avengers? Um, It's like Uh, choice. Or no, no, no. Vision, yeah, man. I knew it was a cool one word thing. But so like when when he shows up, I'm like, what what is this movie? What's happening right now? But yeah, um I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a muddled story that is is it rocky? Is it uh a, a commentary on, on on status and class? Is it a rom-com? I don't know if it's any of these things. I don't know if it's all these things. See, I think you say muddled. I say huge success. I okay. like that it's a, both a friendship film and a rags to riches film and a sports film and a historical film. I yeah. like it. I, it's a weird musical at certain points sure. that I don't understand. But I I kind of liked because I, I read that the director, Brian Hegland, he said he had scribbled down some ideas about what a fun jousting movie might look like because he had re- read a book on medieval jousting. And okay. he said, every time you do a medieval movie, it's about free. He said, nothing against Braveheart, but is that all they thought about in medieval times? If someone farted in 1370, everybody surely laughed. And so I kind of like that approach because I'm a quintessentially anti-Braveheart. Mm. I know that's not going to make me any friends, but I, I, what's I your like... Hot take of, what's your hot take against Braveheart? It's just... It's fine. I mean... Are, are you just giving me a mid on Braveheart when you're like a, a Night's Tale is like iconic? No, I'm not saying a Night's Tale is amazing, but I will say I've always... I've had a better time watching a Night's Tale today than I have ever had watching Braveheart. I and think, I've had to watch Braveheart a lot because I've dated guys who are like, this is the best movie ever made. That's going to be my case. I feel like it's been uh, poisoned by dudes who are oh, like, this yeah. is my personality now versus... Yeah. Like, it's a fine movie. It's fine. It's a good movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not special, though. Like, calm down. Like, you know what I mean? But listen, did you know that Jeffrey Chaucer, I think I've mentioned this before, Ancestry.com figured out through my my uncle has done a, like, aggressive genealogy of my family. And my family yeah. is super boring because we could not be whiter. Just we, get like, to it. I know. we You're you're related to Jeffrey Chaucer. Jeffrey Chaucer's my 14th grandfather. <laughs> I mean, it's a good look for him in this movie. It's actually the only, like, cool person in my ancestry. I mean, they're cool, like, in their own way, but not, yeah. like, famous cool. Historically cool, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah, like, with a gambling problem, you know? And I, exactly. I can relate to somebody like that. Uh, you you know, can like, relate. I, that. I know, right? You know, I think uh, after seeing this, uh, I do think it's a specific kind of movie. I, do, I didn't come away with this and be like, whoa, this was, like, elite-level directing. And I think... I, I'd never heard of Brian Helgeland, or however you pronounce his last name, especially as a director. I just... Haven't seen a lot of his stuff because he hasn't made a lot of stuff. Writing wise, he's pretty accomplished. Like he's, oh, is uh, he? I mean, he wrote uh, Mystic River. Uh, so oh. after A Knight's Tale, he, you know, he's written um, uh, L.A. Confidential, which is a great script. The Postman, which is not, but he does A Knight's Tale. He does Mystic River. He does Man on Fire. Uh, he does uh, Green Zone. He does Forty Two. And these are all really well oh, done, those like, are, yeah. good stories. So I think that's why I was a little surprised at how I think jumbled it, it is the is the word. Not that it's not a good movie. But I think secretly in this movie, there are some really fascinating stories that I wish had had more room to breathe. 
you know? Yeah, that's probably um, fair. Yeah. And and so I think with all of it together, it gets a little crowded out and suffocated. Uh, but, you know, uh, watching this, I, th- I think I didn't realize how sports movie-ish it was. And if you told me it was going to be a sports movie, but just like about jousting, I would have been a little dubious. And then I think after having seen it, I remain a little dubious. <laughs> well, I would say jousting is not, for the most part... <laughs> Oh, I forgot to tell you, when I got here today, Aaron told me that her cough is bad. Oh, no, Aaron, is this like new COVID? <laughs> is this is like COVID-2 electric boogaloo? No, it's just, you know, I get a I get a little summer cold. That lasts seven months. That lasts for the majority <laughs> of the year. It's fine. It's fine. I, you know, I choose I'm to believe Aaron. It. I think Aaron is trying to channel the 13, uh, 1300s with a little bit of a, a nice yeah, black oh, Yeah, cough, a little bit of plague. Know? So you'll probably be dead by the end of this episode. Yeah. So (laughs) sayonara, everyone. That's right. So I, for me, I jousting. It really is just like a lot of buildup to not. I'm gonna be honest. Not that as somebody who watched the Wimbledon finals this weekend and was like, "Go, little man, you're so good." Yeah. I this jousting is seems like a lot of hoopla for not a lot of uh, payoff. You know what I mean? Unless you die. Like other than that, like that's cool, but. For the most part, it's just like we it, it it's a sport that takes what twenty seconds. That doesn't seem impressive. Look, it is. Let's just call. It, I mean, this is kind of one of my uh, lost the movies. Um, so we'll go. I just I'll go ahead and cannibalize it here. It is essentially the most phallic sport, and it's two men oh, running yeah. their peepees at each other and seeing which one blows up first, and everyone watching. That's kind of so. There's there's some cool fireworks to it. That's kind of cool. Uh, but at its core, it's very redundant. But I do think they did a good job of, again, like it's just two guys on horses riding at wooden sticks with each other. Um, the amount of times we had to watch it, it didn't, it didn't feel as redundant as I feel like it could have in the lesser hands, uh, in the hands of a lesser director. So know? I'll share a couple of fun facts here. So those lances they were using were hollow inside. And so the filmmakers were like, we need it to look like it's real, though, like that it's solid wood and that it's splinters. Yeah. And they figured out that pasta could look like wooden splinters. So that there was dry linguine noodles in the lances that they built. Wow. Oh, that's right? what's exploding out every time? That's right. And then Amazing. none of the actors were allowed to do their own stunts, no matter how much they ask. And uh, Heath Ledger said in an interview, he said, I did eventually understand the logic behind this decision because one jouster stuntman got his jaw ripped back cool. and had to have 15 stitches. And then he was back riding two day, two weeks later. And then he got the same exact injury again. I don't love it. Not love it. I don't it. love it. Not no. a fan of that. You no. know? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get to some of the superlatives. Uh, for you, who, who or what won this movie? I do actually think Heath Ledger won this. He is weirdly incandescent in this. Like, you're really drawn to his face. It's not just that, though. He Physically, he's very pretty as a blonde man who normally could not be trusted. Yeah. But he's very... He's 21 att- in this, Jonah Hill. Watch out. Okay, be careful. You know? <laughs> he can wear a swimsuit if he wants to. I don't <laughs> care. But he he's dead. My bad. Um, so he's... Very, Jason, keep it, keep it, keep it. It's yeah, good. It. It's, just a, it's just real. It's just it's just real. It's facts. He's just dead. I don't know what to tell you. So he's very hot. He's just his skin. Like I just went, ah, oh, twenty-one year olds in their skin. Look how sure. beautiful it is. And then also, I do think he does a great job of you. It feels like he is legitimately very connected to his little squad of friends. Like okay. he does. I feel the camaraderie among them so much so which is going to make up later for the lack of any chemistry having with that stupid brunette sure but i don't want to give away all my feelings right at the, out of the gate right but i 
I, I was looking and I was thinking, God, 21 years old, like, where is this in the Heath Ledger? Because as a reminder, he really didn't make a lot of movies because he died at 28. And so, but like the year, it's like 10 things I hate about you. The next year is The Patriot. Mm-hmm. And the next year is A Knight's Tale. Yeah. And this year he'll make A Knight's Tale and Monster's Ball. I completely forgot that he was in Monster's Ball. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I forgot that, but I think it's because it's all the Billy Bob about it all. You know yeah. what I mean? But I, and then, and then you, this is a guy who goes on and he's like Brokeback Mountain and then The Dark Knight. And it's just, what an iconic career for somebody just in their 20s to make such huge films. And I thought he did a really good job in this. Like yeah. he carried emotion well, he carried excitement well, he carried passion, ambition well. Like I think he portrayed all of that with a lot of groundedness, which I was really impressed with. It does. He. It feels like for him in this, because you're right. Like, um, personally, I think uh, he's better in Ten Things I Hate About You than he is in this. I don't think he has much to do. He is. It doesn't have as much like um, cinematic latitude to be interesting. But he just looks like a star. He just looks like oh, yeah. I'm going to be a big deal. It, it, it's like watching the McDonald's High School America game, and you just see the people who are going to be like huge in a couple of years. This is not the medium for them, but eventually they will find that. Um, th- that's kind of what it looks like. Your eye is kind of drawn to him in a way because he's the main character. But even if he wasn't, you just it, he looks so different and he acts so different from everybody else. I don't really think the character is there for him in this, but he is. You can tell uh, immediately that there are going to be much bigger things for him going on like movies like this. You know? Well, and I will say about this, that he auditioned with the director. He was on a three week, three week break from shooting the Patriot in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was heading home to Australia. Cause I always forget that he's Australian right. and he was heading home to Australia and he had a long layover at LAX. And so the director said, well, I'll just meet you at a restaurant in the airport mm-hmm. because he can, because this is pre nine 11. Right. And he goes and he said, while I was sitting at the table, Um, He had read the script. He really liked it. And then he unpacked a long wooden tube at the table. And he said he ended up playing the didgeridoo. And I just said to myself, well, this is the guy. Wow. Okay. Why? How? How did you get to this? How did you get, like, he's playing a didgeridoo. And then Alan Tudyk, he did, he said a really nice thing. He said, I have a very close friend of mine who died of a drug overdose during the shooting of the film. Heath called me and said, what are you doing? He actually knew him and I was drinking and he said, buddy, get in a cab and come over to my place. And he took care of me for three days. He was younger than me, but he took care of me. He was a leader on set. Okay. That's really lovely. So that made me really like him, like, even more, so. Now, I do, I have some questions about his hair in this uh, movie. Well, there were some question, there's some questionable choices made at the beginning of the film uh, by giving him dreads. Didn't love that. I was like, Um, whoa, this is, this is a choice. I don't know the medieval dreadlock situation, uh, but that feels strange. But then it just kind of disappears randomly. And then he's just got like, you know, um, like cool cousin of Justin Timberlake's uh, instinct hair. You know, and it is the cool cousin of because Justin Timberlake's cool hair is awful, and this yeah. is very cool looking. It's like yeah. it feels like you could write, like put your hands through it and not uh, get trapped. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, okay, I, I, I'm gonna say, I, man, I don't even know if I believe this, but I'm gonna commit to it, like I do believe oh. it, because I feel like I believe it. I'm feeling okay. it; it's rising in me. I think Paul Bettany. I think Paul Bettany wins the movie for me. He was excellent in this. I love him in this. I, I think he's got tons of charisma. I think the Jeffrey Chaucer character takes it to the next level. I'm a big fan of here's this like weirdo historical figure. Um, and now he's going to insert himself into the narrative, not to be the star, but to kind of be a casual star or, or, or like a, like a supporting to the, to the main character. But I think in a lot of ways I got more interested in Paul Bettany 
as Jeffrey Chaucer than I was in Heath Ledger's Will character. You know, a lot of that is because Will has to just kind of carry the center of gravity. He's just got to be the guy holding a wooden phallus and like hitting other dudes with the wooden phallus. So he's limited in that respect. But I thought like there's a Jeffrey Chaucer, uh, there's the writing aspect, there's the gambling aspect, there's the person of two worlds who knows how to speak to, you know, the, the, the holy polloi, but also he can be uh, aristocratic and uh, it just didn't get as packed as much as I wanted to. Yeah. But um, when we're talking about who is your eye drawn to, uh, obviously Heath Ledger, but in a lot of ways, Paul Bettany, I was fascinated in his performance. I was drawn to that buttocks he showed a couple of times. Like, okay, you know, you know I mean, I mean there's, uh, they're, they're definitely buttocks, right? Yeah. Are they interesting buttocks? I don't know that they are. Um, no, they're not. It, they have the potential to be. You can see the before photo of what they could be, you know, sure. and I don't know that he ever got there. But I was looking at his IMDb. This He makes this film the same year he makes A Beautiful Mind, Whoa. which is where he's going to meet his wife, who he is still married to, Jennifer Connelly. And the next year, he he, he kind of makes the heart. He makes the heart of me, which I nobody remembers. But then he makes Master and Commander. Then he makes Wimbledon. Remember, he won Wimbledon. Wimbledon. He yeah. won Wimbledon against uh and 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 not against because they weren't p- competing, but Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, Wimbledon. That's a hot film. Then he's the Da Vinci Code. Remember him as the uh, pale, was he like a just like a like a like a villain uh, Silas the villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he does the very next year he becomes Jarvis in Iron Man, which is going to let him be Vision later on. So he really kind of disappears though, like after you know two thousand four ish. He kind of disappears into he's either Jarvis. Um, or he's just take, taking kind of bad roles. And I don't know if that's, I don't know what that is. I don't know if there's not a need for him or if that's just like his picker was broken for a little bit. But this reminded me, I feel like he's very capable, very interesting uh, performer when he uh, wants to be. You know, right. he could have been, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't take the mantle left behind by Philip Seymour Hoffman because he feels like he could be a great character actor. Yeah. Like that he just can, Really, he's too attractive. I think he's too attractive. attractive. He's stuck in no man's land, you know. Uh, Which, speaking of Jennifer Connelly, we're uh, so I've introduced my son. We have you know this big movie summer list we're trying to blow through. We did Top Gun. Now we did Top Gun Maverick. I just want to say Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she is underratedly incredible in Top Gun Maverick. You know, you mean that. I really do mean that. I hundred percent. Really? Mean that. Yes, because she. You thought she had chemistry with Tom Cruise? No, that's the thing. No, okay. She created. The, she created fair, fair. something in in a nothing place because he brings nothing to her, but she makes me believe that potentially there could be some chemistry. Well, she him. does. She is stunning, and I do think she demands your attention wherever she is and yeah. whatever role she's in. So I love her. I do love her, but I I did leave that movie going. They have never even touched each other. Like, no, no, not even no, close. Like, not, not yeah. at all. And my, the the one question my son had was like, so she's a really attractive woman running this bar in the middle of nowhere, and she also drives like this platinum Corvette. What's this? Why? How? What's going on here? Oh, you, you know? need to explain to him that it's really easy to drive a nice car and not have a lot of money. Well, yeah, I was like, but you when you finance things over 120 years, you can drive anything <laughs> if you really <laughs> want to. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, okay. Who lost the movie for you? Listen. We might be aligned on this one. Uh, listen, weirdly. I get that it was her first film ever. And boy, can you tell. Shannon Sossaman, you are a situation. You are not. And listen, she doesn't she doesn't really do a lot of acting after this. I read in an interview that she said if she could go back, she would never have said yes to this film. Mm. Not because the film was bad, because she was like, I was 23. I dropped out of school to do this. I, I wish I wasn't ready to be famous in any way. And I I didn't have enough experience to help 
carry a film. And so I appreciate that she recognizes, like, in the same way that we look back at 10 years of the podcast and go, listen, they've all, they've all not been home runs. Like, we know that. Like, we had to learn and figure out our rhythm and all the things. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just been 10 years of full smoke. Great. Just, I, that's just my perception. That's why you took 150 no episodes off the, <laughs> <laughs> off the archive. But what I'm saying is she, she's pretty. And that is all we are bringing to the table. She is pretty. I do like that Kate, the character of the blacksmith, says her breasts are not even that impressive. That's a true statement. That she didn't Kate, even bring good coming over the top belt. Dang, girl, what you doing? <laughs> Look, but I think okay, I, I will, I will yes hand what you're saying, okay. but I will, I will clarify it and say it is. It's not uh, Shannon Sossaman just herself. I don't know that I think she is apocalyptically bad. Yeah. I don't think the character has much to do. True. I don't know that the movie understands the character. I think it's the Heath Ledger, Shannon Sossman relationship. I think it's the Will and the Jocelyn. I don't, I don't understand the relationship because like I, I, but I think it's a plus casting because Shannon Sossman is a, she is to to call her attractive is an understatement. She is emphatically super, super hot and gorgeous. I think she did some modeling. So I understand the choice but I don't understand um, uh, the development of the relationship. Like, uh, obviously, they're attracted to each other. These are the two hottest people uh, in this movie by a country mile. Uh, but I think at different parts, I thought the movie was setting up Will um, was, you know, uh, falling for her. But actually, like, his heart was with the the blacksmith. I know uh, me, too. I forget too. her name. Listen, the blacksmith had chemistry with everybody. She did. She did. And she and, she goes on. She's in like Breaking Bad in uh, like a key okay. late character and a late season character in Breaking Bad. And she's really good because I knew I'd seen her somewhere. But I thought, but the, obviously that character gets a little underdeveloped. But I, it, it kind of seemed like Shannon Sossman's character is the person you think you should fall in love with. With really the person like was all, with you all uh, along the way. Yes, know? that would have been a more interesting story. Yeah, because I think writing uh, when they're all writing the letters like help. Will come up with the letters that he's not writing. Um, it felt like uh, it was an, a dishonorable kind of courtship, you know. Yeah. But then it was born out as like cool and like lovely and romantic uh, at the end. And even when she's like, "Yes, Will, I will live with the pigs inside with you," I'm like, "No, no, you, no, won't. you won't. Why no, would you? you? I wouldn't do that. You're not, nobody's somebody do that. your attractive level would not do that and should not do that. Frankly, you're not. No, you're not supposed not to. Not at all. That. Not at all. And I and I felt like Heath Ledger had chemistry with. Like the horses more than he had chemistry with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and I didn't know like who is she? Like, is she a is she a holy person? Is she a royal? If she is, who's she connected to? Because she's always kind of sitting next to the king or like the the presiding. She's just person. vaguely noble. She's just vaguely yeah. noble. Yeah. Which you know, I'm not going to trip on that too much. I think um, the the bigger problem was she falls in. There's a if you if if you if you want to call this a sports movie. There's a uh, a trope in sports movies, especially, you know, 80s, 90s, where uh, it's called the wet blanket girlfriend. Oh. And it's like the guy is trying to do his thing and be athletic and legendary. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's got this stupid freaking wet blanket girlfriend who's just trying to ruin everything. It's if you've seen Jerry Maguire, Regina King is a wet blanket yes. girlfriend. Rosie Perez in White Man Can't Jump. Adrian and Rocky, I think in Rocky, too, is a wet blanket girlfriend. because She's like. You should work in an office or a butcher place instead of boxing because it makes me sad. She said and that Rocky to Rocky? Does. Yeah. Yeah, he does. No, and the office place not. won't even hire him, which I'm like, what a what a missed opportunity. Because you could be like, <laughs> we're, the, we're the paper supply company that has Rocky. But that's neither here nor there. But it's this, it's the, this female character who exists to add to the adversity of the heroic 
athletic central character instead of just like supporting. And for her to be like, Hey, you just need to get um, dump trucked by that guy's wooden phallus for the whole tournament. And right. honestly, I wasn't counting, but it, I, I thought rounds were just like first to three or whatever. Uh, and he gets killed in that match, like at least 2011 times. Like he gets hit in an innumerable amount of numbers. I was like, track. when does this end? Does he have to die? Is there a mercy a- rule? Can we keep the clock running? Golly, you guys. But yeah, that was, that was my biggest issue uh, with her. It's just not understanding because I thought at, at a certain point, the movie became about their relationship when I really wish it was about Roland. It was about ginger guy and it was about blacksmith lady girl. Yes. That relate. Cause that, that trio or, or, or quad relationship felt like the strongest character wise. For sure. For me, sure. You know, if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As spring draws near, time can feel like such a construct. Are we going to be springing forward or is it falling back? I'm always hoping it's falling back because who doesn't want an extra hour added to their day? But then the question becomes, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Figuring out what's important to you is the first step in making it a priority, and therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. It might sound like a catch-22, but making therapy a consistent priority has been the catalyst in giving me so much of my time back. Not only has therapy helped me identify my priorities, but it's also given me the skills to enforce boundaries around my time. If, like me, you wish you had more time, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Even getting started is super simple. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll do the work of matching you with a licensed therapist, and you have the option to switch therapists at any time for no additional costs. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com popcastpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash podcast pod. I might not be as good as Nocturamus at predicting the future, but I do love taking my knowledge of the past and trying to figure out how it's going to affect the present and future. Whatever your vision is for this year, let pair eyewear bring things into focus for you. Do you get it? Don't stay stuck in the past with the same old glasses you've had since high school. That was literally me. Pair eyewear allows you to change up your look in a snap. And with face frames starting at just $60, including your prescription, they're not just convenient, they're also super affordable. I'm always so excited to see what new frames pair has available, especially for my big head. I just checked their website and they have a new Y2K revival collection. The frames are so fun. Pair always does a great job of having a mix of loud, fun frames, and of course, more subtle looks to match anyone's personality. The Millennium Twill Plaid is both subtle and colorful and absolutely adorable. Their new Easter collection has a white pearlescent top frame and one called the Blush that is truly bringing you back memories of frilly dresses, white patent leather shoes, and 
celebrating Easter Sunday with Chuck and Jan in all the best ways. Their virtual try-on is a super convenient way to find the right fit for you. And with free standard shipping and a flexible 30-day return policy, you have nothing to lose. Visualize a fantastic new year with Pear Eyewear. Go to PearEyewear.com and use code POP for 15% off your first pair. And support the show by mentioning that the podcast sent you in their post-checkout survey. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com, code POP. They really hit on an interesting topic with Shannon Sossaman, with her character, or with Jocelyn, when they were talking about beauty as a curse, you know? Yeah. And the, the, uh, the, oh, whatever, is it priest, hard for the hot people? Yeah. Well, the priest was like, you pray your years go fast or whatever. So you don't look at, look as, uh, hot for so long. But I thought that's an interesting kind of, uh, uh, subplot in a movie as like this really attractive woman who actually like doesn't want to be attractive or something, but it, they never like revisited it again. She was no, just like, I, I'm hot. Well, and I will agree with you that with, with you on that because right now on TikTok, there's a trend of an aging filter. And so people, and it's a really well done filter. Like, yeah. It's clear they're taking actual features of your existing face and just doing what age is going to do to you. Yeah. So you're going to have – you're going to be more gaunt. You're going to have jowls. You're going to have more wrinkles. Your hair is going to go gray. And the the comedy is people, like really hot people, getting on there and being like, well, I guess everything's going to be over for me then. And then the people who are not hot who are like, what? Oh, good. I love my grandma. I love this. <laughs> and I just go, oh, isn't that interesting? Like when you – when when unfortunately the culture has told you your value is only in the visual yeah, and maybe you have not developed enough confidence in the other parts of your personality to know that your value comes from other places as well. The aging is very, it is a curse. Like, yeah. cause you're like, well, how am I going to be valued if I'm not hot? And yeah. And it's like her character is aware, aware of that. The actress you would argue is aware of that, that she's yeah. only cast for this reason, but then they, they just never go back to yeah, it. And they don't I pursue don't, it. I don't really understand why. And I think, I, I just think fundamentally, I think Shannon Sossman has villain face. So you're always – it would be like Rufus Sewell, which we'll talk about in a second. If you make him the hero, I'm just never going to trust you because I'm always wa- waiting to get backstabbed. And that with her, I, I kept waiting for her to be to cheat on Jack Black, you know, like in The Holiday and be like, oh, yeah, you suck the whole time. And I shouldn't I shouldn't have so like So is cool it because you. she's a brown-eyed brunette? Is that what lends itself because she's the counter to his blonde-haired, blue-eyed? I don't think it's about her brown-eyed brunette. I think it's just she looks like the um, the hot girl at school who wouldn't pay attention to you, you know, yeah, Um, or like feels like they're above you or something, right? I don't, don't, and and, it might just be like revising history to be like all the characters she plays usually kind of tend to be villainous. That's true. That's true. And maybe that's why I'm thinking that, but I do think fundamentally that's a that's a hurdle to get over with her, you know. Yeah. Uh, Loki MVP for you in this movie. Listen, I did love the ensemble. Like, truly. Yeah. I love, as particularly, I have a, a great affection for Alan Tudyk. I always have. He was in Firefly, which I loved just desperately. Uh, he was in a TV show called Suburgatory that I really loved. And I've always really had an affection for him in terms of sci fi. And he's always been the actor who's always leaned completely into like Comic Con and to <laughs> fan festivals and like l- being very proud of having a sci fi background. And I've always loved that. And he's really funny in this role and he plays that character with just enough, like, like just enough twist that you're like, is he likable? Is he weird? Is he dumb? Is he smart? Does he have a, like an attraction to, like when he's talking about, like when they're creating the letter, that's when I really thought that ensemble. like really shine because that's where he does a great job i also will say i'll give a low-key mvp to the name ulrich von lichtenstein 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 (laughs) which 
was an actual person, a 13th century German knight. He wrote poems and treatises, and he was a skilled jouster himself. Uh, he was most famous for a dubious autobiography in which he detailed his exploits, traveling the countryside dressed as the goddess Venus while challenging okay. men to joust. I love it. That's that's wildly That's actually somebody I would be interested in meeting in real life. That is a move for sure. Uh, This might be this might be a hot take. I don't think you need Val and Tudyk in this movie. I don't think he needs. Why are you Why are you coming? Why are you like (laughs) Heath Ledger's boring and you don't need Alan Tudyk? No, I I love him. You don't think we need a ginger to keep things spicy? I don't know why. Because when I'm thinking of all his scenes, I I think you could use Paul Bettany to do what he's doing. You know, what about when he's kicking the dead knight or kicking the dead nobleman? That can't yeah. be Mark Addy. You got to have somebody kicking. The, you got to be somebody who's angry and like ridiculous. And then Mark Addy gets to be the more grounded. Rolling is, gets to be the, more, the grounded. more noble one. And look, right? Uh, it was I marked it the eleven minute mark. I realized that's young Bobby B, young Bobby Baratheon. <gasps> yes. And I was like, oh my full gosh, Monty. that's full Monty, Mark Addy. Like I, I don't love even him. know. I see. I've never seen that, but uh, just getting to be with Robert Baratheon for another minute. God's that was strong. <laughs> from Game of Thrones is is just really good stuff. I I'm gonna put um. I, I think this is true, and I don't actually know how I feel about it. So I'm gonna talk it out. Needle drops. I think the needle drops in this because if if when you talk about a Night's Tale, you have to talk about the music. Oh, yeah. Because I think the music will either lose you or bring you in fully, uh, depending on how you deal with uh, modern-ish music with uh, very, very established period piece movies. Uh, did the needle drops bother you? Like when you're when you're hearing "We Will Rock You" to a crowd who obviously would not be familiar with "We Will Rock You" and clapping to the beat. Did that bother you? Listen, it didn't. I actually liked it until so it got me. I was in it. We'll, we will rock you. Less taking care of business. Let's go. Uh, David Bowie, who, listen, I'll say it. It's been 10 years. Most overrated performer in history. Okay. Like, wow. like top 10. Most He's overrated. no Alan Tudyk. I'll tell you that. Like, you know stop I mean? it. Don't be mean. <laughs> listen, Golden Years, garbage song. Like, I read somebody said, oh, it's finally when one of the, they were like, when one of the best songs came on was Golden Years. I'm like, are you suggesting that Golden Years is better than We Will Rock You? How dare you? Don't even. But the director, he did say in an interview, he said, look, the reason I did that is because the 70s are always the 70s, even 600 years apart. <laughs> and <laughs> and I really liked that. And he was like, I just wanted it to feel like this is not like young people in medieval times would have been rebelling against their parents in the same way that kids rebel against their parents now. Yeah. And he was like, that's why I wanted to play ACDC. And so I, I kind of like when I want to take you higher, fly in the family stone. When that happened, I was like, yes, I love it. But I did not like uh, Golden Years because I just do not like the song Golden Years sure. or da- or David Bowie. So yeah, personal preference. That's fine. Per- yeah. I, yeah, I think um, I as a as a fan of Peaky Fucking Blinders, uh, they do that all the time, so it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, but I was a little like at the beginning, the like you know when they're doing the cast uh, list and everything. And they're and they're playing. We will rock you. I was like, I don't understand this. And then they kind of neatly edited it into. Um, that's the. It's. It, it was almost like that was kind of the music, but you know, it couldn't have been the music. And I read that uh, he wanted to use modern music to, for us to access, so that he could channel what those audiences felt about their songs. Because he's like, whenever you hear like Renaissance fair music. You just think this is dumb. I don't like this. So you don't right. get like the intensity of the of the feelings that those audiences would have had. And I thought that's actually a pretty clever way to go about it, you know, to no, channel something we yeah. know and understand. Uh, best scene for you in this movie. Listen, I we've talked about this many times. Uh, I do love a montage. And okay. so I for sure 
I'm going to get a medieval training montage to the tune of Lowrider. Thank okay. you very much. That is what I was looking for. And I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed, I mean, like I, I did, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed. I teared up a little in the reunion scene with his father. Like I was like, <laughs> he doesn't know because he's blind. Look, the, um, and I'll say the girl that she did not have a name in the cast list, but the girl, the little girl that played the lone girl, best actress in this film. Second oh, to the yeah. Best. She was good, man. She was she excellent. Was she should have yeah. played uh, Shannon Sossaman's part. I, um, the, the dad, I'm trying to look at his name, Christopher Casanova, I think, uh, was, uh, Heath Ledger's dad. Um, he is, if you want to talk about points per minute, he gets like 20 seconds of playing time. And he scores 40 points. He is emoting and crying and weeping so hard the it's whole so time good. he's in. So it's good. really good. It's I like, love it's really it. necessary, I think. Um, I had the, uh, you know, uh, well, to the montage, the only issue I love montage as well, especially in like a sports ish movie. The only problem I have, you can tell this was shot in one afternoon, you know? Yeah. So it <laughs> yes. didn't feel like this was over like six weeks. It felt like it was over two and a half hours. And I needed a little bit more, you know, there. I need a little I know. More. It's unfortunate that because I think they say in the film he needs he, he's like he has a month, right? Like he has yeah. a month to figure it all out. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like the budget was tight. And so they were like, uh, we can make your hair look dirtier now. That's it. <laughs> That's all we could do. You know, I think that for me, if I had to give like a like a obnoxious producer note, I would say I would have liked to because, they, you know, they start and he's jousting, but he's also doing sword stuff. And then he's like, no, no more swords. I'm just jousting. I think that I understand that character choice. I think in terms of the audience, it gets a little redundant and monotonous just seeing the the wooden phalluses. So yes. I would have liked to see some swords, some spears, some mace. I don't remember what all they said like you could do. But to see that would have broken up some of the monotony. I think. No, I agree with that. You know? I do. Um, I had the the betting scene uh, with the Frenchies when oh, it's – that one's and, good. And, it's like when anything that focuses on uh, uh, Alan Tudyk, uh, Robert Baratheon, uh, Jeffrey Chaucer, and uh, uh, Blacksmith Woman, I like that. I like the vibe. It felt like uh, uh, soccer, uh, or I'm sorry, football uh, team chants, you know, over there. Yeah. Like when they sing their songs and everything. I liked all that. I liked the the very stereotypical French dudes. Uh, I don't know if that's offensive, like French people, how they were articulated, but it felt like it should be. No, it's not. They're like, that's us. What do you, what do you want? That's you how we are. You want to talk about just like the biggest wieners in the movie. <laughs> and I don't mean that as like a, a phallic, uh, a conversation. I just mean these guys who you just want to shove out a window. That's what these dudes were doing. I and do. I, really I do it. like them saying the Pope is French, but Jesus is English. And I was like, well, that's not accurate it's at like, all. I don't even know what that means. What are you yeah, talking about, know. Robert Baratheon? Yeah. Uh, Jamie, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Okay. So as a reminder, the Bechtel test was created by Alison Bechtel. It looks at the way that women are portrayed in film. It has three rules. The first rule, it, ha- it has to have at least two named women in the cast list. We do have 17 named characters, and three of them are women, Jocelyn, Christiana, and Kate. And then... Uh, the second rule is two of the women have to talk to each other. That does happen. Jocelyn, on occasion, talks to her servant, Christiana. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then third rule is they have to talk to each other about something besides a man. No, they mm. only talk of men. So we did not get a pa- – that's actually the first movie in a long time that hasn't passed the Bechdel test yeah. um, that we've yeah. done, that we've done a cinema side piece on. So it did not I would pass. say the, it, it, this being the 1300s. And this being about a jousting tournament, like a rolling jousting tournament, it's probably going to be tough for them to pass that. You it know, it, it is going to be tough. It is. And, and then speaking of passing, uh, tough to pass, oh, this next one's going. 
Dang. So now we have the Latif test, which was created by Layla and Nadia Latif, which looks at the way that people of color are portrayed on film. And it has five rules. The first rule is, are there two named characters of color? Again, there are 17 named characters in this film, and none of them are people of color. Now, there was some debate online in Reddit of like, no, no, Shannon Sussman. Mm, she has like a great, great grandmother that's Filipino. Okay. Um, but she herself does not... Uh, she does not self-recognize as a person of color. So sure. she yeah. recognizes herself as white. And uh, so there are no, and that's it, by the way, there are no other. I don't even think there was a person of color in the extras. I looked and I pay attention to that. And I don't think there, now this was filmed in Prague. I don't know how many uh, people of color live in Prague in 2001 or 2000 probably. But yeah, there are no, so this does not pass the Latif test. Even yeah. even step number one, it does not pass. So Yeah, it's not even, it's not even close. Which um, I will say to that, you know, you, you could make the argument, you could be listening to me like, well, but medieval, well, not that, you're acting like they didn't exist. But also I like that we're taking back, I like what Shonda Rhimes is doing and in, in really leading the charge of like, hey, we're going to take back some of these stories and recognize that they're just fiction and we're just setting them in a factual time, but we're telling fictional stories and these people can be betrayed by anybody. Like, we're not going to worry about it. Like, we're not going to worry whether yeah. this person was actually black or Asian or we're not going to worry about any of that. We're just going to let great actors take on great roles and we're not going to care that like, well, a white person uh, couldn't have been like a duchess. Like that just couldn't have even happened. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it doesn't. Um, I think especially when you're retroactively or retrospectively evaluating movies uh, from over 20 years ago, like did they have enough diversity? Uh, I think it's important to what kind of story you're telling. So when it's this kind of story, I do understand probably the lack of diversity because this in all likelihood was a lily white kind of uh, a scene and situation. However, uh, this is a movie where we're also using We Will Rock You in the beginning. So I, there is That's some, right. uh, there's some ability to be flexible with the factuality of it. So I wouldn't have been like, I wouldn't have been like one of the, um, you can't have black hobbits bros, you know, because it's like, hey, God, it's a hobbit, so it's just not like even it doesn't the exist real thing at all. Like, yeah, mm. so like the Green Knight, like we, the Green Knight. What a great film! Yeah, and it didn't have to be like we just didn't have to have you know. It shouldn't have been Indian guys. Like it didn't make sense at the timelines. <laughs> like, well, it's you know, don't it's a it's about a Green Knight uh, who magically comes to you on Christmas and makes a, uh, a like a like a wager with you. Like, let's throw caution to the wind here a little bit. Uh, does it pass the digital line test? I, I didn't hear it. I, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, a, oh, I'm saying I, I could, I could have missed it because it felt like Jeffrey Chaucer would have said it. But I, I think he says anything. it at the end. I okay, think when he's okay. like, I think I'm going to write this night's tale. So he okay. doesn't say a night's tale, but he so does say this night. He gets very close. Yeah. I'm sure eagle eared listeners will be like, no, it was at this minute mark. And I, I welcome that correction, but I didn't catch it and I didn't make it for my notes. Um, does someone save the cat? Uh, in this movie, uh, and uh, when we say "Does someone save the cat?" This is the uh, screenwriting, uh, basically format or formula, which establishes that for the protagonist of your story, uh, within the first ten pages, they should do something honorable or heroic to let you know that they are worth rooting for. This one is kind of close because you know you could argue uh, Will steps up to take a headshot so that they can eat. You know, maybe right. that's it. I would probably more classically say that he uh, foregoes some of his winnings to make sure Jeffrey Chaucer doesn't get flayed. Um, that's probably oh, yeah. more, that's yes, so it's like no. a save the writer, you know, save the author. Uh, probably I would count that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I didn't have anything else. Did you see anything else that made you want to root for him besides his hotness? 
No, and just that can be enough. That can be enough. Listen, that yeah. jawline. That was all I needed. It's good. It's good yeah. stuff. Uh, is there a Chekhov's anything? And again, a Chekhov's anything uh, is a reference to the Chekhov's gun, which is a uh, storytelling rule that you should pay very close attention to the details you include in your narrative, meaning that if you introduce a gun in Act 1 of a story, it should be going off or factoring into the story by Act 3. Um, this one, there wasn't a lot. A lot of the uh, movies we've done recently have a lot of Chekhov's somethings. Um, the only thing I could come up with was um, uh, tilting uh, jousting when you should withdraw that we get with Prince Edward. Um, and then later it's paid back to Will uh, when he's in the stocks. Oh, uh, yeah. When he's like, you, you're tilting when you should have withdrawn. Uh, and he uh, knights him, um, which I had a lot of questions about that. Like, what's the what's the formality of this? Are you allowed to just knight people like that? And it's like binding. Did you need paperwork? I didn't see anything in triplicate. It just felt like there could have been a lot of problems with that knighting process, you know, at the yeah, end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is there a miscommunication plot? Uh, this is the tendency of stories to rely on, oh, I didn't tell you or my letter didn't arrive or I mumbled and you didn't hear me. Uh, Will's identity is a miscommunication plot. So probably that. Oh, um, yeah. And I would also say Jocelyn telling Will to lose, but Will not telling his squad and them having bet on with the Frenchies that he was going to win. That felt like something he would have said. Hey, guys, by the way, I'm going to have to throw this tournament for love, you know, just so yeah. you know. Especially for somebody whose brass aren't that impressive. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest reach. You have any biggest reaches in this? I do have a few. One, um, there's a moment where we're supposed to believe that Roland and Christiana have sexual tension. Like they kind of like look each other in the kind no. of in the like. And I, but then I did remember that it is the 1300s, so women would have had no choices at all. That that and at so, least Roland seemed cool. He seemed like a cool. He guy. seemed like a cool dude. And then also uh William at one point says to uh Jocelyn, "You can't even eat a flower. You can't even eat a flower. Uh, you can eat flowers, hibiscus, mint, lavender. You uh, can eat caramel. anything if you want to. Like, if you try honeysuckle, that's exactly yeah. right. And then her hair uh gets really curly um yeah. at one point and I, so I was like could she have done that? And the the history of curling irons, like the iron part goes back to the 1800s. And then in the 1700s, people would heat up bones on okay. the fire, bones on the fire yeah. to curl your hair. But in the 1300s, no, she would not have been able to have a cute curly hairstyle for the big match in London. She would not wow. have been able to have that. Wow. What a takedown. What a takedown. This whole movie falls apart now, you know? Listen, and that's I know that's goes. stupid to reach for that, but I hate no, her not, so much. No, are you kidding me? This I, is the listen, perfect point. Listen, I hate Jocelyn so much. I'm looking for everything I hate about her. <laughs> I did not like that glitter strand in her hair. Like she'd been to the beach for the weekend. I didn't yeah. like that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had the, uh, there's at the beginning, the title sequence or the credit sequence, the one old lady in the crowd who couldn't keep the beat, but they kept showing her. <laughs> God, have mercy on the elderly, please. Um, <laughs> the continuity of them showing us Heath Ledger getting ready to joust with his wooden phallus, but it obviously not being Heath Ledger's eyes behind the mask. Right. You know, it's obviously the stunt guy. They didn't even match him up. They like, didn't try. All. They did not even try. No. Um, the, I thought the choice for Will to be arrested and like when he was trying to compete and, and ride against Admir. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense beyond the plot needed him to, you know, so he could be like uh, saved oh, by yeah. Prince Edward. It right. just, there was no reason for him to be like, I'm going to try to compete, but I know I'm going to get arrested and this isn't even going to like make any sense or do anything. I, th- I thought that was a, big, a failure. We have to have a big scene. We have to have a I big know, moment. I know, but they could have, I thought they were really clever at the beginning of subverting like, oh, we'll do this and this and you'll get your like helmet headshotted so bad that you can't reveal your face, you know, so like the jig will be up. But I thought that got a little sloppy. Uh, also sloppy. Do they just green screen Heath Ledger in Paris? 
Like, did they just do like, oh. where's Waldo? Here's a map, and it's Heath Ledger's face. Like, it on felt Pinterest. like someone had drawn it with a pencil, Yo. and they just unrolled a, a like a piece of papyrus and been like, stand in front of this. We'll make it seem like you're in parents. Look like a Rick and Morty in front. It of, was like, not great. Is- <laughs> it was not great. It was bad. It was, it was bad. Um, uh, the dream sequence right after Admir is unhorsed for the first time. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. He's like hovering above ground. And, you know, Ginger and Roland and Blacksmith Lady and uh, Will are all like, yeah. you got served, bruh. Like, get out of here. Well, we have I, to, I, we I have to circle back to that quote. That it's the third time. You have to say that quote three times. And that's when they say the quote the third time. You know, that you were measured and you were found wanting. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. Like, so he's dreaming that in mid-flight? I just didn't, I didn't understand no. it. I, yeah, I didn't it doesn't like it. make sense. I also don't like, uh, I just don't think they serve... Not that they don't serve cat's meat and hot wine, but I don't think they advertise cat's meat and hot wine. You know? No, I think they're calling it uh, uh, beef tenderloin. Yes. And right? roasted duck and cider yes. or whatever. Right. But they're not being like, this is the worst possible combination of food and drink. No, no. Yeah. Name. Taco Bell isn't like, this isn't grade A, you guys. Yeah. Just heads up. Like, they're just like, this is a cheesy taco. They're just not like band aid burritos. Would you like some? <laughs> you just get a band aid in your burrito and you're like, well, you know, I it was fire. worth it for that Baja <laughs> blast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Uh, best quote out of this movie for you. Oh, listen, there were so many things that I loved. First of all, I just love that it opened with, is he dead? Uh, the spark of his life is covered in shite. His spirit is gone, but his stench remains. I loved that. And then I also loved when William and Watt are talking and William says, I've waited my whole life for this yes. moment. And Watt says, you waited your whole life for Sir Ector to shite himself to death? That's good writing. It's good. <laughs> it just is. So good. I love that. Uh, what about you? That was mine too. I also had each drop of this sweat has a price on it. When you're trying to like monetize, when someone's trying to like cut your price, yes. that's what you need to respond with from now on. <laughs> and then when Paul Benny said, I'm a writer, I give a true scope. That hit me. That hit me hard. Did you feel that? Did you that want that in an embroidered t-shirt? Did like, you want yeah, that? Man, yeah, man. I give a true <laughs> scope. That's what I'm doing here in this life. Uh, recast one role and why, Jamie. Can you guess who I'm going to recast? 
I feel like it might be Shannon Sossman. Listen, it's Jocelyn. And I have the, guys, I literally have the perfect casting. She is the exact same age. You've already mentioned a movie she was in earlier in this episode, which is Crossroads. I'm replacing Shannon Sossman with Zoe Saldana. Whoa. Same age, was in Crossroads. Like, she'd already been in center stage. So we've seen her as a ballerina. We've seen her as like hoity-toity. It's per- it's a perfect casting. It's a perfect casting. I, the only pushback I have is I just don't know that the character gets to do anything. Like they have failed the character, oh, no. so it doesn't but, matter who's playing happened. the part. You I know? know. I agree with you. But here's what happens. When you sit down, Brian Hegland is going to be like, wow, Zoe really can. She's very talented. I'm going to rewrite this on the spot and give her more to do and write her more interesting things. And I just think we, by nature, get a better. Because I just think also when you're looking at Shannon Sossaman, you're like, this is her first movie ever. She's literally in this moment learning where to stand on a mark. Because guys, I'm not talking about this as her first leading role. This is the first movie she's in ever. So she's having to learn everything about movies while also trying to carry the romantic lead of a movie. She just does not have the experience to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, and and I think I, I didn't see. I looked a little bit and couldn't find anything. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this was one of those deals where the movie got rewritten like halfway through, and they had to change everything and fix everything because you just don't put a first time actress in a role like this to have to carry it. Uh, that's just that's an insane thing to do. And I also think, you know, really the the moment when. Um, uh, Heath Ledger has to go to the to the dance the banquet or whatever and dance and they end up doing like a like the hustle but it's like, kind of like a '60s vibe or whatever and I was like right. I don't know about this that's where the movie kind of starts to lose me a little bit and it really starts to drag but it was like after that point on it got real muddled all of a sudden and it's it's the it's a rom com it's a sports movie it's commentary on class it's William wanting to be noble he's got this relationship with his father all of a sudden. Uh, he's got these friends, Roland and uh, Alan Tudyk, and then he's also falling in love. It just felt like it was trying to accomplish way too much, but it also like put too much on Shannon Sossman's character to where I, I don't know. I don't know if any actress can carry that, but I would like to see a more clear, even if this was just straight up uh sports kind of rom-com, I'd be okay with that with a better actress and a, yeah. and a cleaner, easier, um, less messy kind of storyline. I think that could yeah, actually work. I agree. You know? um, I, I thought you'd go with her. So I, I wanted to to zig a little bit, and I wanted to offer you, um, what if I what if I could offer you a trade? Okay, okay. I will trade you. I will give you Heath Ledger. You can have Heath Ledger. Okay. Right now, okay. All right. In exchange, I'll take Josh Hartnett. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely not. Josh Hartnett goes in this movie. Okay. A, King, Wait, a, a okay. Knight's Tale, which is it's fine. Heath yeah, Ledger fine. goes into Pearl Harbor. Yeah. <gasps> Heath Ledger and Ben Affleck in Pearl Harbor. Oh, I like that a lot. Isn't that <sighs> isn't that decent? It, okay, I, I would I'm also into like, that. What if you just did Heath Ledger for Josh Hartnett's 2001? Because Josh Hartnett in 2001, he does Town and Country, and eh, he does Pearl Harbor. He does O, which is secretly a great, great Othello movie with yes. Mackay Pfeiffer. Who, a little bit about me. I, at one time, I held the most Mackay Pfeiffer stock out of anyone in oh, the United States of America. Down. No, that's 100 percent still true, holding yes. it. It's not worth a lot. Penny stocks kind of stuff right now. So it's not great. But he also does Black Hawk Down. But that's what he does instead of Night's Tale. That means I have to give him up because I do love him in Black Hawk Down. And and really, I would say Black Hawk Down is why he ends up getting even 
now he is a horrible picker from that yeah. moment on. Yes, he does. Right. Although I will say, I forget how young Josh Harton is. He's only yeah. 44. He's the same and, age. He's, I think he's like a couple months older than Heath Ledger. So same that's age. Right. So, but, and Josh Hartnett has been on the, he was on the red carpet of the Oppenheimer premiere. And I was like, oh, you look good. You, Did you watch you his Black up. Mirror with Aaron Paul? Oh, that's right. Oh, he was so good in that. Okay. He's I forgot. Good that he was in that. So it's like, okay, uh, I will let you try that. Yes. I will, where I will I allow it. it. Was, I think Josh Hartnett's better than Heath Ledger. You know, I think you, I like him better. I think he think, fits better. I think, think in this, but not like in not as the Joker. No, 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 not as the Joker. I think the the spiciness of this is that like Heath Ledger, I think he has leading leading man face, but he has supporting actor sensibility. You know, it's kind of like the little bit Brad Pitty where it's like you look like this, so you have to be like this, but you're actually more engaging and interesting when you take smaller roles. You know, and okay. I think Josh Hartnett he isn't as attractive. He isn't as like viscerally hot as Heath Ledger. So you can buy him in some weirder stuff. You can buy him as like hiding or like being in the background a little bit more. Whereas with Heath Ledger, you have to change his appearance like Joker to make him feasible in the background. Heath Ledger is like a Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like you, it's just, you can't, you can't ugly him up. You just can't. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. You got any fun facts in this movie? I just have a couple. They shot a alternative ending to the movie in which the group discusses how they're going to spend their new riches. Okay. And Alan Tudyk said, I bought a ship and that was supposed to lead into the sequel, which was going to be a pirate's tale. And them all go on an adventure. Yo, is this why he's a pirate in Dodgeball? Oh, I don't know. Maybe so. Because his character no, is like, I'm not. a pirate. Like, I identify as a pirate. Maybe he, he just always really wanted to be a pirate, too. That could be part of it. But mm. Columbia uh, Pictures was like, yeah, this did, this movie didn't pop off. So we're not going to yeah. do a sequel. Um, also, uh, this is my favorite fun fact about Columbia Pictures. In 2001, Columbia Pictures had five films released. And they marketed them with print ads that included positive comments by a movie reviewer named David Manning. And I it did said see that this. He, this yes, is wild. <laughs> this is wild. And that he was a film critic for the Connecticut newspaper, the Ridgefield Press, which is a real newspaper, by the way. But FYI, the Ridgefield Press does not have a movie reviewer named David Manning. It was made up by the ad department at Columbia Pictures. And as a result, there was a class action lawsuit filed. And the studio agreed in 2005 to refund $5 to every person who saw any of those five films. What? Is that not crazy? Because guys, by the way, there's a class auction suit against Facebook right now. And you can get like up to $100 if you've been on Facebook a long time. Like, so just go Google that. Not a big, not a big class action lawsuit. Like, let me get my, let me get my 37 bucks guy. You know, oh, I'm not I saying I'm better it. or worse than anybody. I'm just saying no, it just feels I like I love it. Listen, I have done every, you know, I got $7 from Google once. I I love a class action. Do you want me to fill out a form? I would I'm just do like, it right now. If I was on Facebook, I got on Facebook knowingly, you know, I didn't get manipulated into it. So I didn't know like, they were going to sell my data to Russia. I didn't know that. I mean, once I started I putting my credit card wouldn't. number on the internet, I was like, this is probably not going to end well. But well, I'm, you're better I'm than all of us. And I'm going to go get my $125 <laughs> from Mark Zuckerberg. I'm going to get it. That's all my fun facts. Um, I the only other one I had, um, Heath Ledger and Shannon Sussman were nominated for Best Kiss at the MTV Music Awards. They lost that for Amer- to American Pie, right? That's right. They lost uh, to American Pie. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh McGregor were nominated as well, and Renee Zellweger and Colin Firth and Bridget Jones Diary. There's oh, okay. no, I, I've not seen Bridget so Jones Diary. You... There's no way that should have been nominated. 
Max Wait. hasn't seen Bridget Jones' diary. Wait, you haven't seen Bridget Jones' diary? What about you? What about me makes you think I would have seen God, Bridget, Bridget Jones' diary is fantastic. Would he love it or hate it? Oh, he would love it. He would. Oh, my God. He would love it. It's a really well done we film. We have to do that. We have to do it. That can be your birthday movie for Cinnamon Slappies. We'll pick it that for you. That will not be my birthday movie <laughs> for Oh, Cinnamon my gosh. <laughs> you would love Bridget I might pick Jones it. Diary. I might pick it for my birthday movie because that is a pretty good... It's a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. No, it's don't fantastic. tell him, Jamie. Oh, that's going to ruin oh, it. no. <laughs> Since you guys have spoiled it, we probably shouldn't do it now. You know? Um, okay. Well, that is our conversation on A Knight's Tale. Uh, if, as always, if you have thoughts and pins on our thoughts and pins, please let us know. Noxtream.com slash 514. All right, Jamie, you want to do some lights? <gasps> Let's do some lights. All right. What is your red light this week? Listen, you're not ready. You're not ready, Knox. I'm going to have to red light my own life as a podcaster. Because listen, I got an email this week for an ARC. An ARC is a, for those who don't know, it is an advanced reader copy. We get contacted sometimes by publishers, not very often, actually. Like, it's actually rare that we get contacted and uh, to see if we want to read a book. And we prefer it that way. We want to choose the books we read. We do not want to feel this pressure. But even if we get a book for free, we we don't, we, I say to the publisher, hey, this does not mean that we're going to green light it or anything like that. Because someone even said to me, they're like, hey, I'll trade if you'll green light my book. And I was like, how dare you question the integrity of our green light system? We do not in any way take endorsements for that or like sponsors for that. But this was for the book called 19 Steps. It comes out September 12th. Let me read the description to you. It's 1942 and London remains under constant threat of enemy attack as the Second World War rages on. In the Bethnal Green neighborhood, Nellie Morris counts every day lucky that she emerges from the underground shelters unharmed, her loving family still surrounding her. And so it just goes on about Nellie's life where she uh, ends up with Ray and then there's an air raid and... Uh, all hope is lost, but then love triumphs. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why, well I mean, it's just a, just a World War II book. Like, who cares? Yeah. That ish is written by Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. Millie Bobby Brown wrote a fiction book that's coming out in September. And guess what? She, her name is as big as the caption, as the title on the cover. Then when you open it up, guess what? No, it was not written by her. It was ghostwritten by this guy that's listed. I mean, I'm sure she was like, anyway, this was inspired by her nanny, Ruth. The book is very personal and close. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to see Millie Bobby Brown stars her own grandmother, Nellie, in an HBO series. And it's going to make me so mad. And I'm going to scream in the void. Also, I want to read like Kate Quinn, one of my favorite actual historical authors who endorsed this book by saying my inner history loving teenage geek clapped her hands in ecstasy at the thought of a historical novel penned by Enola Holmes and she wasn't disappointed your inner teenage geek was not disappointed that's not a good endorsement well okay I don't I don't have any issues so far I would say to Kate Quinn Enola Holmes the character they didn't write the book. That character did not write that. Thank you. That's so exactly that right. Is, and that's I just a don't like it that Millie Bobby Brown is getting book deals when other better writers should get book deals. I just don't <sighs> like it. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I do understand that they're like, hey, um, <sighs> this book with not Millie Bobby Brown's name on it, probably not going to do great. This book forward- with Millie Bobby Brown's name on it, probably going to do pretty good. Listen, I look forward to the Instagram post by John Bon Jovi, who's like, this is by my daughter-in-law, Millie Bobby Brown. This book was great. I'm going to hate that. Okay, let's do a little brainstorm here. I think you should have a book proposal, and it could say, by Jeff Chaucer's great-great-great-granddaughter, you know? <gasps> 
Okay, I'm back. And it would be like, you know, that you could kind of nuance that a little bit, channel some of his fame, you know? Okay. Okay. I'm back in. I'm back in. Um, I don't know. I just have we are we are we max capacity on, you know, uh World War II adjacent content as a guy I, who loves it and is I, still reading listen, it. I love a weird I love a World War II fiction, but hear me out. I just don't need another book with a woman on the cover facing the opposite direction, watching bombers overhead. I just don't need it. Guys, I don't need women the backs of women anymore on World War II novels. Like Google that. They're everywhere. I can't yeah. I cannot do it anymore. You want them to turn around and face the book and not face the bomber? I just don't want this vagueness. It? Well, I know why they're doing it. They're like vagueness and faces are hard and we don't want to ruin it for you. But it's just Okay, her, here's an idea. Here's an idea. What if it's her the, back to the bomb, middle fingers up, but she's facing you? Okay. Is it the atomic bomb? Then I'm back in. I don't know. I don't know that I mean, would an English woman have been middle fingering don't love that. Uh the atomic bomb, you know? <laughs> That's a different novel, my friend. That actually might sell really well. So we'll come back to that. Did we talk? Have we talked about Greta Gerwig casually being like, "Yeah, so I'm doing some of the Narnia stuff." Like by the way, no, she's doing the two. The second one's not good, but she's doing that. They're redoing the. Don't look at me like that, Aaron. How you feel about that? What like what's your feeling on Greta Gerwig? That second novel is not good. You know it's not good. Don't act like it's good. She's mad. She's mad. Wow. She's trying to hold wow. in a cough. That's how mad she is. <laughs> I'm not holding in a cough. I'm free. I'm free. I have a cough drop in my mouth. Yeah. I think that, that the way you audio. feel about the horse and his boy is just an indicator of your taste level. That's all. Okay. Is it like... I mean, you could have called a nice tail horse and his boy, you know, probably too. That would have been a so? good... Yeah. yeah, it would have been just as good. A horse and a boy and his big wooden stick, and like I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying when it, I'm just saying when it took 20 years to write the first book, somebody didn't work as hard on the second book. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. Okay. No offense, um, C.S. Lewis. Well, <clears throat> also dead. Yeah. Spoiler alert. So you say that like like people died. Life is life is a vapor. What do, Aaron? I don't it's know what, what to tell do. you. Um. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my red light this week is uh, uh, Justin Long. I, I wouldn't Finally. say longtime adversary of the show he doesn't even know we exist but i do think uh, we've hated it for a long time yeah and i don't really know why to be honest i just think uh i think you know we're we're with a network and i think we've done a good job for that network and then that network we've been there six years we've been at that network six years you know pretty reliable not super controversial he comes along i'm not it's it's if I was trying to explain it, I would use office ladies, but I'm not trying to do that because I don't want to put you in a weird spot. So I'm not saying that. Thank I'm saying it's a similar situation, that. you know, of like, I don't like, I don't know what your talent or your gift is, but you're here now in my medium and we're competing and I don't love that. But some, you know, uh, I guess last week we recorded about the Jonah Hill news and then the Jonah Hill news took another turn and or not oh. a turn. It just got weirder and grosser. And then Justin Long got thrown into it. And that got weird and gross. And then I don't know if you've even seen this. They re, uh, I guess they revisited a punked episode with Jonah Hill and Justin Long. Yeah. And I, and I watched that. And the premise is that it's known that Justin Long, Ashton Kutcher says, has a quote, minors problem, uh, which means he likes, likes to be with uh, girls who are minors. And the whole premise of the prank is he's out to eat with these girls who are 17 and 18 and he's trying to get them to drink. He's trying to get them alcohol without them being carded. And then a manager comes over and is like, I need to see your ID because they're underage. It's weird, it's man. It's weird. And guys, you might be like, oh, well, that was a long time ago. He was probably only like 21. No, he was 27. Boom. He was 27 years old. Okay. It's, it's just weird. It's just super, super, super weird. It's very gross. So just red light all that. You know, uh, it's not it's not a great look for humanity or just a long uh, so I don't know, but I, I think it's, um, I think it's good when 
when you revisit things that in the moment should have been weird, but it wasn't, but then now we see it and we're like, whoa, whoa, I think it's a good reminder that uh, things evolve uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's also good to revisit the past sometimes and be like, was, am I my best self? Are, are the things I've always <laughs> believed about myself and always how I've always conducted myself, is that always the best way or should I maybe revise my behavior a little bit? And that's I think a good that's, example of that. that's a lot of wisdom because that episode was in 2005. Like how, what? Like so many people were involved with that and no one was like, whoa, this is weird. Like they were just like, ah, funny it joke, right? It had to go right? through so many hoops to make the air and then it made the air and there wasn't like this big like, and I know that there are people always who are like, hey, that's not great. Yeah. But like the majority voice of the, the entire world was like, yeah. They're so funny. That prank yeah, show. Crazy, <laughs> crazy episode of Punk, am I right? Wild. Uh, okay, what is your green light this week? Okay, so we have a mutual green light, but Knox is going to talk about that. So I want to share a green light. This is just revisiting, and I know love Knox loves it when I talk about my favorite comedy on TV, which is what we do in the shadows. It's on Hulu. You guys, it's back for its fifth season. It's going to have a sixth season, and then it'll be wrapped. And for those who've never watched, I do want to clarify some things because I get asked this a lot. First of people, it's a comedy. Guys, it's a comedy. It is set in Staten Island, New York, and it follows the lives of three traditional va- vampires, Nandor, Laszlo, and Nadia, and uh, and then Colin Robinson, who is an energy vampire, who's hilarious, and then Guillermo, who is my iconic favorite character, who plays Nandor's familiar. It revolves around them interacting with the modern world. Listen, this season opened with them going to a mall, and it was the delight of my life. But a lot of people ask, like, now, first of all, this is not a show. This is not. This is NSFJM, not suitable for Jamie's mom. Okay, there's a lot of cursing and there's a lot of sexual stuff. Not sexual stuff, but like sexual references, innuendo mm. and such. But if you were like, I want to figure out if I love the show, go to season one, episode two called City Council. If you watch that 23-minute episode and you don't love it, then you're not going to like this series at all. But if you watch that episode and you're like, okay, that was weird and a delight, then you will love this show so very much. There's so many great episodes. My favorite episode of all time is when they go to a Super Bowl party and they think it's uh, to honor an owl and they call it the superb owl party. And then they're confused when they get there. It's fantastic. That's season two, episode three, Brain Scramblies. It's back, 22 Emmy nominations. I love the show. I dressed as Nadja for Halloween last year, like two years ago. I love the show. So I highly recommend you watch it. Listen, uh, not for me, but I love a good half hour-ish comedy. So happy, happy for you and, and the Thank other 12 you. people who watch this. I'm so Stop it. <laughs> Why are you so mean to me in this episode? Um, I, uh, I'm going to, so I'll, I'll, I'll do a, the dad light first uh, before I get okay. to the co-green light. Uh, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. Uh, I took Marla oh, to see this. We heard that it might be good. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd heard. Uh, I was a little dubious about the previews, but okay. Marlo had seen it and was like, "I really want to see that." And I was like, "Okay, we'll do that." And uh, so I just took her. She loved it, but it's basically uh, a teenage kraken who is living amongst humans um, because they're trying to hide their kraken powers. Finally, realizes her full potential and has to sort through uh, who that makes her on her own but also like within her family and within uh the people she chooses to live with uh it's great it's got great voice acting it's jane fonda lana condor tony collette will forte shows up and it's really funny um but it's just really well done the, I, I did think it was interesting you know how marvel does like the when you go sit down for like you know ant-man 12 they do like the dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun. And it's like, there's Cap, there's Iron Man, there's all like all the Marvel people, like all the Avengers, like the you're in a Marvel situation, you know, like that whole preamble. Yeah. Now, I, I guess it's the, the studio that makes Shrek and like Puss in Boots and all that. They do that now. So it's like, there's oh. Shrek sitting on the moon fishing. There's Puss in Boots being awesome. There's a freaking Minions saying banana or banana or whatever. And I was like, hmm, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't I don't need like a, I don't need a preamble before I watch like what the studio's been up to before I watch a movie, yeah. but whatever. But that's neither here nor there. But really like Ruby Gilman. Marla really liked it too. Uh, two thumbs up. Uh, and it's a, it's a tight 90 minutes. So that's always good to go. Uh, but the co-green line for this week is uh, Mission Impossible colon dead colon reckoning colon part one colon there's, so many colons there's in a it. lot of colons there's multiple colon use which you know i'm not a big fan of uh but this is uh the latest iteration of the mission impossible franchise with tom cruise i took my son we loved it uh it's uh you know i think some i, I heard it got dinged for like i didn't really follow the story like i don't know what the story was about but it's like this is mission impossible do you ever know what the story's about? No. There's no. a thing you're trying to get. Bad people trying to get it. There's and a weapon. So, yeah. Like Ethan's working with a place, but they're also like, we're going to try to kill you, Ethan. And he's like, oh, no, don't try to kill me. And there's a woman. The Swedish Nightingale shows up. Ving Rhames shows up. Simon Pegg shows up. That's pretty much it. And just new stunts. And this was great. I loved it. Listen, can I tell you who was my secret favorite part? Like my low-key MVP? Was it Haley Atwell? Oh, no. Although I do love her. Peggy Carter for life. Yeah. But it's Palm who played Paris. Oh, bro. She was so good in this. God, she was so good in this. And I was like, this is my whole personality until Barbie comes out. Like, I am her. Like, the fact that she does as much as she does with almost no dialogue. Like, no dialogue. She And, you know, they're in the kind of like, um, there's always the existential villain, right? That you don't ever right. see, but you just feel. But then there's always like the immediate villain who is like just the turnstile character yeah it was henry cavill uh i guess last movie yes now that's it's right. uh palm I, i'm not gonna get her clementine right. clementine yeah it's uh mantis from guardians movies um i thought she was so excellent so vivid so in a movie good. where everyone's kind of doing the same things they've always done i really liked every time she showed up on camera no you know? i did and i will say those stunts because everybody had talked about the stunt of him on the motorcycle right. leading up to the film that is a child's play compared to that car chase in Rome. Holy that, Lord, man. That Those car chases in Rome were so good. And they added a lightness to it, which I was very grateful for because it kind of goes on and on. But they made it fun. They kind of made it harder than any stunt they've ever done before. But we talked about it in The More You Know. We talked about how that movie did financially and like how will this go forever, obviously. But I... I really liked the film. And as somebody who has always been a Mission Impossible fan since the first film in 1996, I thought this was top two of the seven. Like, Fallout is still my favorite um, of the films, but this one was excellent. It was really good. I also really enjoyed Shea Wiggum. I really enjoyed him showing yes. up. He's a good character piece. Uh, no, in he that. is. Yeah. And, and, and then more you know this week, we also talk about, um, I quiz uh, Aaron and Jamie on how many scenes involve Tom Cruise sprinting in this movie <gasps> this felt and like a record this yeah. particular film yeah i counted it we, we took notes and i counted it up so uh we had that conversation then um okay well that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast and for you remember anytime you're doing shopping on amazon you should go to amazon.com slash shop slash the podcast first so your purchase user or favorite link or favorite item purchase using that link this week was jamie this is just two pounds of bananas listen i wasn't ready this has fifty-seven thousand global ratings 4.6 stars this one might be my top my top rank of, of cues that were asked. Oh, and wow, I have three okay. for you. The first one is, how can I request yellow, slightly ripe bananas? 
tired of getting green ones that never ripen. Green bananas always ripen. Yeah. They do. You just have to wait them out. That was the answer. Hey, just leave them in a brown paper bag with the top folded over and they will ripen. Like, that's a pro tip. And then the next question was, why is it a banana? That's why it. Is it a ban- why, that's like- why is it a banana? And the answer was, well, the real question should be, why would it not be a banana? And then finally, my favorite one, why are rats eating my bananas? Mm. And the answer was, because they taste so good. Bananas <laughs> do taste good. All right, you guys, don't forget, we have a Patreon free trial for B-Fots. Like, so if you're listening and you're a friend of the show, you can get your free trial as a B-Fots for one week. This is a great time to check out all of the great content that we have, exclusive content for the 11,000 folks who already support us uh, monthly over on Patreon. So go to knoxandjamie.com slash free trial or head over to the link in the show notes and you can sign up today and check it out and see if it's something you want to be a part of. I am Jamie Golden. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, not threads. No, I'm out. I You're out. You, that was quick. That was fast. It's just... I don't know. You went in hot. You went in real hot. Listen, I still love Twitter. It's so hard. Listen, I tried to talk about Wimbledon and you go over to threads and it's not in order and no one's talking about like what just happened to uh, Jovic and his stupid racket. And I was like, well, this is useless. This is useless. So I'm back over on. uh, Back to the dark side, huh? The death spiral that is Twitter. All right. um, But you can find me there at Jamie B. Golden. I'm Nox You can find me on socials at Nox Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. (laughs) 